0: All right, fan morning show sports at five ninety. The fan. It's Justin Cuthbert. It's Brent Gunning, and not a typical morning for Brent Gunning. No, not, not at all. A tip- I, I, I mean, I'll just look, serve it over to you. What what happened Ish. and why the need for? A we're not gonna shill for it. A breakfast. No, thing.
1: they're they're shilling later. We'll shill for them now. I went and got myself a McGriddle because I felt like all of you apparently feel all the time in the morning. Uh now I gotta commend you on your professionalism. You come in here, you're you're doing yeah. the thing. No, no, no. You you have not seen Sam McKee drag his carcass <laughs> okay. in here, okay? That's so sure everybody looking very professional in relation to that. But all I ever hear with everybody I work in mornings with is like, oh, I'm so tired. And again, you keep it to yourself if you feel that way. You do not mind when
0: me. you're When you're locked into it, you, okay. it can't be the everyday narrative. Okay, okay. I okay. just hear it a lot from people.
1: And this is not just you guys. I've like started at the fan as an intern on an iteration of Morning Show a hundred years ago. Okay, so like all my life I've heard this working in this business. And I woke up this morning and I felt like all of you feel... All the time. I was like, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. I'm sleepy. And then I thought, what hmm. What is the tonic? Now, normally when I need to slap myself in the morning with this, it's because of a different kind of tonic that happened the night before. That is not the case. Just tired, but a the little G in tonic. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh yeah, a little little McGriddle. Right in the gullet this morning, couple hash browns, a oh, couple
0: hash browns. And, that, that's a little note you left out, and
1: a lot of black coffee. A couple that, hash yeah. browns is aggressive, and but but now I'm back. I'm ready to go. It's like go. what sleep? Who needs it? It's a great bare naked lady song, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm here. I'm ready to rock. I can't eat before this show. No, it's just too early. I to do I typically do not like. I am. I have the weird, we, we do not actually, this is something we should have got into like real sports are back. Jays are in a playoff race mm-hmm. We got, but like my diet, nobody wants an insight into that. It's like, I'm eating, I'm eating, Nothing. I'm like gorging.
0: It's just it's all over the place. It's a bad scene. Well, I had a backup plan to uh, wake you up if the McGriddle didn't hit the mark, which it <laughs> just did. Say, just say Jeff Jackson or no, 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 no. I, uh, a tennis update. A oh. tennis update. I wanted to just because we usually close the first segment with yeah. a tennis update. Yeah. I thought we'd lead to it sure. just to get things going. Good day for the Canadians. Leila Annie Fernandez hey. advances, there upset over Hadad Maya three setter. Mm-hmm. That's that's fun. That's exciting. Milos Raonic continues. To, I don't want to say dominate, but he's rolling through at the National Bank Open. He beats Taro Daniel in the second round. Two sets. Easy money for old Milos Raonic. And, of course, the star of the show at this event, Carlos Alcaraz, uh, does get through to the next round. And he, uh, and he takes off that. Yeah, I, uh, I'm happy for Layla and
1: Milos. Why I'm, the boss? Oh, no, I was like, honestly, with tennis names, I'm like, is takeoff the guy Alcaraz beat? I don't know. I was yeah. a little confused. No. it's uh, with me and Ropat. I yesterday. would say I would say, good for Layla, good for Milos. I came on here yesterday, actually. I feel like because I was kind of sideswiping half the tennis players in our country. I did make a point, get the QR code out. I mm. like Leila and Fernandez. So. That's true. Good you on her. Happy there. Hey, Milos, if there is a, I mean, I want to be clear, this is, this is not going to happen, but. If we had a Cinderella run uh, and he makes it to a final, I don't know, probably probably some guy on the ATP tour who's, who's not, mm-hmm. you know, in his late 30s and has had like knee and back injuries it's, it's for fair. the better part it's of fair. a half decade, probably somebody along those lines. But if they don't do that, it's an awesome story. I said it like we have seen and again, it's like golf and tennis in my mind's eye. They're always kind of half tied together. It's like we have seen Brooke Henderson win the Canadian Open. We have seen... We have seen Bianca Andreescu win the National Bank Open. We have seen Nick Taylor win the RBC Canadian Open, and now we need to see it from one of the men. Got to get it done. I don't particularly care if it happens here in Montreal. We know they flip each year. Somebody's got to do it, and I, I would like to see it. And again, like with Milos being where he's at, it's awesome. And the other thing I'll say about it is, even for me, who loves to poo-poo tennis, let's be honest, Sal Carraz is cool. He's very cool. I see clips on Instagram. What about
0: him makes him cool? How did, just, how did he cross over for you? How did he get to cool a, status? I, I want to you?
1: be clear it's not crossover, but I think part of it is that um, tennis hasn't completely jammed him down my throat yet. I think that's part of it. But also, like, I don't know. He's just, and I, I'm sure people are going to say, uh, "Go watch Francis Tiafo or somebody." He does this stuff all the time. I don't see it. I'm not getting it fed to me. Just these little, like he'll catch the ball when somebody's hitting it back to him in midair. It's just like little, <laughs> like you've you've seen this your whole life he's playing a cool guy. sports. Yeah, whatever the sport is. Like this is actually, it's funny. Like uh, we'll talk about the Manziel doc a little later. It's like I'm watching that, and you could tell the uh, you know the parallels Manzel and his dad, and how much time they spent together, and eventually spread apart. And it's like. All I could think about that is, like, I got to get cooler sports mannerisms. And, like, Carlos Alcaraz has them all because he just, I don't know, it's just, like, looks like he could walk on water. He's just one of those dudes. They exist in every walk of life, and he's that dude in tennis.
0: Uh, those mannerisms will continue at the National Bank Open, presented by Rogers. Uh And, of course, on Sportsnet, both Raunich and Leila, Fernandez, uh, Leila Annie Fernandez yeah, will be it. back on the court today. This thing just goes into overdrive now. Like, they're just playing every day. Got to finish it up. By the weekend, so uh yeah the rogers uh national bank Open I almost Will took continue. a swipe
1: of tennis, but i I held myself back right. I was like, oh play, I'm gonna do it anyways. <laughs> oh playing every day what what athletes <laughs> heaven, <laughs> I mean, heaven forbid you do your job every day i oh. mean
0: i I thought you'd be at the because the men are playing three set matches yeah. here at the national bank Open but I thought that would uh no, no, uh, my take on that is no one. And I know the tennis
1: people are gonna get very upset about yes, this. Yes, let's do it. Let's we don't do it. we don't need five sets ever. In no tennis. we do. No, no. We actually we don't. We Maybe do. you we do. do. You know what? Actually I, I d disagree. They should start the match and it doesn't get to go on TV
0: until it's tied
1: one one and then we can okay. move on. If somebody's up two ni two nil or love, I don't know, tennis, whatever, <laughs> we're gonna we're just gonna keep it moving there.
0: You don't but, like the six hour epics?
1: Uh I mean, like again, if you want to do that, like I there was a time in my life where I was more intrigued by this stuff. Like I remember the Federer and Nadal and Wimbledon and Roddick and Federer and all that. Like I get it. It's just too long. It really is. Like, I watch a round of golf that is roughly that long. You know, like when the leaders tee off or just before that. That it is ends pretty ends up being wild. five to six hours. But the difference is, is that you get tons of different storylines. Well, getting, if we're talking about athleticism, well, I mean, I'm, no, but I'm not, six hours no, I'm of not, grinding one-on-one on one versus... I'm not remotely comparing the athleticism. It's impressive. What? Of course it's impressive. But what I'm saying is that if a hockey game was six hours long, Be like... Tough. As good as it would be, and this is going into double and triple overtime, so the intensity and everything. You know what we would be saying? Somebody needs to score because this thing needs to end, oh, yeah. and that's just where I'm at with these five-set epics and Grand Slam finals. It's amazing. It's just I – like, as a dude who wants to watch Oppenheimer – and just like, I don't know, three hours of putting my phone down. It seems kind of hard. How am I supposed to do it for double the length of time for, let's be honest, something I care about way less?
0: I, I think it should be major specific. I, I mean, we need those in big moments, I think. I think we need those in big moments. And I'm okay with the National Bank Open and other tournaments that get you ready for U.S. Opens, et cetera, to be longer. I, I, my What bothers me is the women's side. I mean, the Wimbledon final for the women this year, was yep. it 45 minutes long. It was over in a flash. We need five sets. No, no, we, it's we the need, other no, way. No, we do, we do, 40, we do. I'm like, 45 was, minutes They didn't electric. even get going. They didn't Would even watch. get going.
1: I, I will say one of the most crushing tennis memories for me personally, because my, my mom's like a sneaky tennis fan. She loves Wimbledon. I don't know, she's got this thing. Doesn't the, want to admit it around you? No, she loves to admit it. The scorn, oh, every, Literally. The gunning score. Literally every year. It's like, we should go to the tennis. And I'm like, yeah. And then it never happens. One day, Mom. (laughs) But I remember this back when I was still living at home, it's like Jeannie Bouchard in the Wimbledon final. My mom is ecstatic. And it's like by the time she made her tea, they were shaking hands because it was over. So sometimes it is a little Mm. too quick. But the thing I'd say about that is somebody, we won't name names to protect the innocent, could have done something about that to make it not last 12 minutes long.
0: Uh, That is true. That is true. Uh, Okay, let's mix it up a little bit today because uh, Blue Jays and Guardians continue their series. The Blue Jays got a one nothing victory last night. It is the same thing, but a different day, at least when it comes to that series. But we got some Maple Leafs news. I was so floored when I saw this yesterday. Were you? What's flooring about it? I'll I'll give you the news. Martin Jones, one year, $875,000. Maple Leafs news is... Something that we are, whatever it is, we are dying mm-hmm. to sink our teeth into it. So we'll start there. It's obviously a third goaltender. It's a third goaltender that would have to pass through waivers, just like Joseph Wall, just like Elias Samsonov. So there's no, I guess, certainty that Martin Jones will just be at their disposable mm-hmm. whenever they want, despite being a guy who's signed on the dotted line. Uh, But this is the third goaltender. We have the goaltending trio for the Maple Leafs. It is Samsonov. It is Wall. And maybe it is Martin Jones. I predict he will get claimed off
1: waivers on October 9th. Okay. Feels like a date really close to the start of the regular season. The Leafs have held on to him. They've maneuvered things all throughout camp. And then they go all right, We're not going to carry three goalies. We have a we could barely we could barely carry eighteen skaters on this team. Okay, the idea that this team is going to be rolling around with three goalies there and they're going to try to sneak them through. Now, I don't know if uh, anybody listening to this program has ever seen the Leafs try to get somebody through on the waiver wire. It's impossible. Uh, pretty much has never happened in the history of of mankind. So I wouldn't hold your breath on that. But you you're as an organization, you need depth. Like Shalgren's gone. I'm very happy with the one, two that they have again. Like I'm not ecstatic. I don't think they're world beaters, but given the other options available, I am fine with the one, two they have, but they definitely need some depth behind it. Because what have we said about Joe wall? It's like, ah, Finally, somebody could come in and be a serviceable backup and an entry-level deal and come up from the Marlies and provide a little depth. Okay, well, he's now up, so you need a new one. Next, got to find a guy, and I'm not saying Martin Jones is going to be that because I expect for this money, like nobody wanted to touch him on his last deal, rightfully so, but on this, at that money, for a guy with all the things at least you're talking themselves into, you wrote it there. It's like he's six years removed from playing in a cup final. Goaltending is voodoo. Maybe he's right. The weight of the contract off of him. I can easily see a team talking themselves into the flyer on him. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure this ends with him getting claimed off waivers.
0: Yeah, I now understand in retrospect the Michael Hutchinson situation and how they just kept going back to that well because it was the only thing mm-hmm. that was that was going to be safe at all times. Like, no one was going to pick. I don't, I don't remember, actually. Did someone finally pick Michael Hutchinson up off waivers? I'm no, not really sure. It spar-
1: oh, no, it was uh, it was hot. It was Hutch McElhaney. Was that
0: the debate? If no, I'm trying to, it was Sparks, Sparks McElhaney. They gave up McElhaney yeah, Let me old tell old you, Garrett Sparks was right about that one. And Kurt Kyle Dubas Mack. continues to be wrong about goaltenders, and we'll see what how that works out uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, But, yeah, I'm not sure if he ever got claimed. He did end up in Colorado, did not a couple other stops for Michael Hutchinson. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he was the guy who could pass through waivers over and over and over. You could send him down to the Marley's. You could bring him back up to the Marley or uh, from the Marley's without ever having to worry about it. At least it seemed. And whenever they get a little bit ambitious, they go after an Aaron Dell or whomever. They lose that guy. And they were surely going to lose Joseph Wall well, who's the guy if they, they had to signed, make that decision.
1: Who's the guy they signed from Finland in the middle of the season? Oh, Harry Sateri. Harry Sateri. Like, a guy who had, I'm not going to say he's never played an NHL game, but hadn't played one in half a decade at the very least. And, oh, yeah. No, yeah. they oh, the take yeah. him. Yeah. Of yeah. course, <laughs> gotta have him. Now it's like he stinks, it did not matter, but that's the level of scrutiny that'll be, Which mm-hmm. also, again, like, you know, we don't need to just throw strays at him here, but like should pinpoint exactly how bad Michael Hutchinson was that even he couldn't get claimed. And the team was just God, they were so bad in front of him. Mm-hmm. The second he got in there, it was just like, All right, it's time to go home.
0: Is yeah. brutal. Yeah, it does. It did. Uh the Soteri situation, and I guess this one, uh, if we want to talk about what is certain to happen in the future, if you are uh cynical as we might be uh this morning, it does underscore just the ridiculous nature of being a depth goaltender, mm-hmm. of being a journeyman goaltender. You like know. you can wait all summer, you can sign a guaranteed deal, you can you can put yourself in a position that I guess a lot of other players are. Even guys on PTOs probably feel a little bit yeah, more secure totally. than Martin Jones right now. But it didn't matter where he was going to sign. It just mattered what he was going to sign for because that's what he's going to earn. Mm-hmm. And we have no idea where this season is going to take Martin Jones. We know it will start with Maple Leafs training camp, but who knows by the end of it where Martin Jones will be flying his trade. You're, you're right about the PTO thing.
1: I mean, look at Zach Aston Reese last year. Like, he had to come in and earn it. And I'm trying to remember. He knew. I'm trying to wait waited because they got every last dollar that he could. at the end of the salary. That was the thing, right? It was come in and don't screw this up and you're going to be the 12th or 11th forward and we'll give you you as much money as we possibly can and you're going to be happy with it. And if you're a guy like Jones, you look at it and say, okay, if I obviously I'll take an NHL deal kind of wherever it is. I mean, you know, he's very happy to have that. But this is one of the benefits that the Leafs have. Now, again, if he gets claimed, this is not a benefit to them. It couldn't even be part of the sales pitch. But if he gets sent down... He's still living in Toronto. Like, he can have one primary residence. Like, these are things that make the Leafs situation more appealing than it is for other, for other teams where it's like, you know, we talk about these affiliates. Some of them are really far removed from where their, their clubs are. So I think that's another part of it as well. But to your point, like, I just I don't see a world outside of him being so disastrous that there's no point to even keeping him, mm-hmm. I don't see a world where he isn't claimed. It's just he's either useful or gone, in, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I haven't combed through the other 31 goaltending situations, but you'd imagine there are questions in markets. That's exactly a- it. Right. And we'll see what happens. Um, 33 years old already, Martin Jones, which is a little surprising to me. He's got 444 games of regular season experience. Combined, Elias Samsonov and Joseph Wall have 142. So... uh If there's any advantage he has on those two, it's experience. I wonder what the good Martin
1: Jones, like how many good games has he played in the NHL? Like if we go back to his Sharks run and look at the start of it of like, ah, these are two or three. Like I bet you his body of work for not even just his career, his strong seasons probably equals close to what those two guys have have done. Because the track record is, again, recently non-existent, but... You know, stop me if you've heard this before. Like, oh, goaltender's going to find it. And again, the fact that he's, no one's asking him to be the one. No one's even asking him to be the two. It's, can you be the three and maybe sneak through waivers? And yeah, I don't see why he, the waivers thing I obviously question, but I don't see why he can't be a number three goalie for for an NHL team.
0: Pretty clear delineation in terms of his uh, career stats. First five years he had... Over a 900 save percentage. It was only 906 in a second year with the LA Kings. Uh, But he had three pretty good years in San Jose. 918, 912, 915. But since those, the latter five years of his career, 10-year vet already, uh, his best mark is 900. And he's had four years of sub-900 of the last five. So Martin Jones is as replacement level as it gets. And that gets you a contract in August as a third goaltender who may or may not uh, actually have permanent residence for this upcoming season. Okay, so... Leafs news done Let's get to the Blue Jays Don't One say it like winners. that Like don't be like All well, right, this, We uh, dealt with the Leafs No news. no don't I mean, don't No we like did that. deal with it It's. I mean it's Martin Jones Don't just Wait who am I sliding The, the Leafs or yeah. the Blue Jays yeah, that? No the, the Leafs, Leafs? Yeah. No, 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 no No sliding of the Leafs We <laughs> can't, I, uh, We could have not even Talked about this But we gave it <laughs> Not with me here We gave it the first 15 minutes I want
1: to be very clear I would not have allowed that I would have
0: dragged you Kicking and screaming One way or another To that conversation We'll do a little Martin Jones in every hour On the show Don't tempt me with a good time We'll see see what happens. Uh, I'm reluctant to get to the Blue Jays, and that's who I thought I was slighting because this has been one of the most brutal series to watch all year long. Six runs in three games between the Guardians and Blue Jays. I guess if you're a pitching freak, you're loving it uh, because it has been a pitching bonanza from both sides. uh, And really, I'm asking myself one thing this morning. Does this series mean nothing at all or does it mean everything based on how the Blue Jays have both showed or been able to showcase their strengths but also have their weaknesses pretty exposed yeah I don't think it means
1: nothing I think that you see a Guardians team that can't hit and you've had to squeak out wins against them or had them squeak out wins against you I'll be honest and you know me I love to be negative and pessimistic at all times of the day but specifically in the morning but The biggest thing that came out of that game last night was exactly what I've been clamoring for since the All-Star break. It was Kevin Gosman just showing up and looking exactly like Kevin Gosman. Now, this, again, shows to what we talk about. It highlights the strengths of this team, right? We just came off yesterday talking about the incredible Kikuchi start and how good he has looked. Now... We'll see how things go today with Alec Manoa. That's obviously a little bit more of a question mark. But to your point, it's just further highlighting the strengths that this team has. And honestly, the biggest takeaway that I've seen out of this series so far, and there's plenty to dig into, but just the thing I needed to see the most, and I needed to see it sooner rather than later, was Kevin Gosman having an outing like he had yesterday, where it's just seven innings, he's eating a lot of work, it's a tight game, it's not, you know, free and easy, it feels like a playoff game's gonna feel, and I wanted to be clear, like I wasn't pouring dirt on. Kevin Gosman I just needed to see it and now that I did very very happy and honestly I think that's kind of the biggest thing that you can take out of this series is Gosman bouncing back getting right finding it however you want to term that
0: yeah, he definitely looked good. Uh, the Velo was down. It's not something that I would notice. The untrained mm-hmm. eye, not really, you know, it's not something I'm picking up. I'm looking at him, you know, pretty coolly getting through a lineup without mm-hmm. very much issue through seven innings. Uh, so, not really, it, it's not something that's that jumped out, but it, it is fact that the Velo was down a little bit. It could be that he's just ramping himself up, and that's, mm-hmm. the, the guys who can pace themselves, those are the guys that kind of know where they're at, and I, I guess I'm clinging to that a little bit, or at least assuming that that's what he's doing. But if there's a bit of a personal ramp up process where Mm -hmm. you're like, I'm cool. I don't need to reach back and do everything right now to get this lineup out. uh, Then that's a good thing because he's knows where he's at. He knows how he can build into his best form and even not having his best stuff because the below Mm -hmm. was down. I mean, he's breezing through one of the lesser lineups uh, in the league from a pitching standpoint, though, what I thought was the most impressive was leveraged with the bullpen. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a one-run game. So, it, you know, it, it, it's a high-pressure situation. Uh, it is, again, not the best lineup. We have to couch everything we say uh, with that. However, just the versatility that was there, right? Like Jordan Romano unavailable last night, and yet you look at what they were able to throw out in the late innings where they can mix and match. They can go half the ninth inning with Meza and, and Jordan Hicks. They can lead with Swanson. It just seems like they have more options than they've ever had in late game scenarios and they had options without their best option in Jordan Romano last night so just kind of like dreaming of what it might look like and how you could really curate your arm to the situation is something that's very very impressive and we can get to we'll get to the Chad Green news in something to chew on a little bit later but if you can get him there as well not to say he's going to bump one of those four guys but if you throw him into that mix where mm-hmm. you're you're just able to make the if you're John Schneider, you just you don't have to make this decision. You can just make the right decision. I think that's a really, really beneficial place to be when you're playing tight games, hopefully late September and into the playoffs. Yeah,
1: for a lot of teams, if you don't have your closer available to you, the idea of burning Mesa and not using him to finish the game is kind of a non-starter. Like that's a super high leverage guy. And I understand the lefty impacts that and there's matchups at play. So maybe other teams would have handled it in a similar way, but other teams aren't going to Jordan Hicks as their other closer type. Mm -hmm. And I didn't call him Aaron. I'm really proud of myself for that, but you look at Swanson. Like, this is a guy who has profiled as a closer in the past. He has had those reps in Seattle when Seawald has been down, and you use him to kind of start things off. They are coming off the back of Gosman. You get Meza. You know, I think a lot of people are maybe you wake up, you're looking at the box score, and you're like, oh, what happened? Did Meza get hurt? It's like, no, they just that was a better matchup for them. They went with Hicks, and the smoke plays. Like, it's the thing we've been asking for. So, yeah, I think you, I think you have to like it. The pen is going to be a weapon. Now, I'm very curious to see how... How do I want to word this? How much rope we give John Schneider regarding that? Because the worse your pen is, it's almost easier because it's like, okay, look, it's like the I only, have, I got two options. I have two good relievers yeah. and a bunch of slop. So is it slop time or is it good reliever time? They're all good relievers. And yeah, he's going to have to ride the hot hand and find the right matchup. And as a, as wonderful it is to have all these different tools at your disposal, Again, it makes things much more complicated. It it actually forces you to make much tougher decisions. So that's the thing I'm also really curious to see of kind of how it all shakes out. And I don't think we're gonna have too clear a picture of that until Romano's back. Because obviously, you know, without him being at the back of things, you don't necessarily know how they're they're going to play things out. Because, you know, they can say they can say all they want. Jordan Romano's the closer until he loses his job, blah, blah, blah. He's not getting Wally pipped. Okay. But what if Hicks is just flawless and these lights out then it does change things it does
0: yeah it does uh, I, I cannot remember a Jays team that has pitched this well up and down the up and down the lineup the depth that it has in the bullpen the depth that it has in the starting rotation evidently with them running six right now it, mm-hmm. it is remarkable how well they've pitched this season and if they even pitched a slight like a couple ticks below where they're at right now. I'm not sure where they are at in the standings mm-hmm. right now because the offense has struggled and it struggled again last night. I mean, we saw the same things over and over again, or at least same narratives. Uh it it goes as George Springer goes, the one moment, uh the breakthrough moment, the mm-hmm. decisive moment comes early in the game. A thirteen pit pitch at bat uh for George Springer resulting in a home run. You'd love to see that because that would indicate that he's feeling good, a little bit locked in that he can go take it that far and then have the result that he had in the at-bat. I don't know if it fixes everything. I don't know if it says he's back and screams it from the mountaintops, but it is definitely a good sign. But also, and in vain with what it's been like all year, Uh, you know, they failed to cash in with runners in scoring position. They failed to cash in in big moments. Uh, They get the bases loaded in the eighth inning. Danny Jansen flies out. Davis Schneider bounces into a double play. Vlad has one groove to him, I think, in the fifth inning, Mm -hmm. uh, and he bounces into a double play. It's just the same thing, really, uh, uh, you know, uh, en masse yesterday with struggles over and over and over again at the plate where it's just Frankly, hard to watch. But again, another theme and this one a positive. If Springer gets it done, this team generally has success. Four forty eight over his last eight games, six and two uh record over those eight games, and in the losses, those two losses of the last six games, uh George Springer's one and seven. So one four seven rather. So if Springer's getting it done, usually portends good things, but on whole, this team is just really, really struggling at the plate, and the Guardians have had their lunch.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you look at Springer and the idea of the Jays are going to go as he goes, I think that, to be perfectly honest, is like a pretty scary proposition, right? This is a guy who is not gone for the better part of the year. You know, we talked about it. For aging players, it typically goes one of two ways. The level drops off and the consistency stays, or you're able to harness peak performances, but the ability to do that is just fewer and farther between. I think we're kind of seeing and learning how George Springer is going to age, you know, Again, he turns thirty four next month. That was an amazing at bat he had yesterday, looking at pitches, fighting pitches off, forcing them to give him one he wants, and then jumping all over it when he finally got got his chance to make uh, you know make or uh, have some damage done there. But it is just everything you want to see from him there i just don 't know how much you can continue to bank on it, and when you say the lineup looks anemic, it absolutely does outside of him, but that's what it's gonna look like without Bo Bichette. He has been the guy carrying it this team the entirety of the year. And now there's always been somebody helping him when the offense has been going. It's been, oh, Bo's going and Witt's really on a tear right now. And I guess that's kind of been it. Brandon Belt, kinda hottish lately, but you understand what I mean. So it's been all about Bichette and somebody joining the party with him. So I'm not surprised that the offense looks this way without it. I'm not excusing it. I'm not saying, oh, what do you want them to do? I want them to hit better. That's what I would like them to do. But, oh, surprise, surprise. They lose They lose the guy who not only leads the team, the league, in hits, but he gets mm-hmm. on base all the time. He's the table setter. He also drives in the bulk of the offense. Like,
0: of course they're going to struggle without him. At least optically, boy, does it look different. <laughs> it's going to look different when Bo gets back. Uh, I mean, I guess you eliminate Paul DeYoung's Bat from the equation, mostly, because Mm -hmm. he is strictly a backup for Mm -hmm. Bo Uh But if you can get good George, if you can get good Vlad, and at least on paper, Vlad, Vlad, it's Vlad. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to, you're going to live and die with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to a certain point. I don't think you can win a World Series without Vladimir Guerrero Jr. being at least a positive. If you're running George and Witt, and Bo and Vlad, you're feeling good about the top of the order and you're knocking guys down into their proper slotting. Yes, there's still issues at the back end of that lineup for sure. But without Bo, it's a lot of famine. Like it is, we talked about the lineup uh, in game two, really bad in the, uh, in the depths of the lineup. Uh, not so much better yesterday, making a guy like Logan Allen look pretty dominant. Uh, the pitching for Cleveland has been brilliant. Gavin Williams and Tyler Bybee look like they're something. And that's kind of what Cleveland does is despite being a bad team, despite having a horrendous lineup themselves, they always seem to pitch. So it's kind of a bad matchup, at least for this iteration mm-hmm. of the Blue Jays. And I guess to this point, they're passing the test, but only having really two offensive moments across three games. Mm-hmm getting the two victories important but they're kind of getting exposed by a team that i guess has that ability to expose in this way but it's still the cleveland guardians who are fighting to be even close to 500 they should not be in a playoff race but i guess by by just the the weakness of the division they can technically mm-hmm. consider themselves to be in one like it's just it's not a good scene for cleveland and i do think they're built to make this team specifically have some trouble but it has not been pretty through three games and it should be a lot better than it is. And the pitching is the only reason why they're not down 0-3 in this series so far.
1: It should be better than it is, but... But should it? I mean, like, let's just wake up and realize where we're at. We're in August now. Like, the idea that Vladdy
0: This team is what it is.
1: It is. They, they are who they thought they were. I asked Daniele to book that guy last week, uh, RIP to him, so he will not be coming on. But, uh, you know, I always <laughs> love when I uh, re-murder a guy on, on the air. Yeah, but you when go. you look at this team... And for a
0: second time. But for
1: a second time, <laughs> hey, man, uh, shout out to that guy. When you, when, you, uh, when you look at this team, just go through the hitters you trust. Whit Merrifield, like you trust him. No, I don't think you trust him as like you're too bad in the order, but you trust him. Bo Bichette, of course you trust him. George Springer, I don't know. Look, can I see the first at-bat of the game and then I can tell you if I trust him or not? That's honestly how I feel on any given day. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think sometimes we get a little hyperbolic the other way of like, ah, oh, you can't trust this guy. You know, he's not an absolute black hole or a sieve or whatever, but in terms of the transcendent, middle-of-the-order bat he's supposed to be. I don't think you can trust him to be that. Matt Chapman is what he is. He runs into one every once in a while. But outside of that, he's there for his defense. We can keep going down the list. You know, I love my man Danny Jansen. And the fact that he couldn't come through in the eighth, mm. that was super crushing to my personal narratives. But you understand what it is. Like, go look around the team. Outside of Vladdy just waking up and being like, oh, is it 2020 again? I'm I'm in the MVP race with Shohei. Outside of that
0: happening, where is this going to get much different for this team? And I don't think it is. Yeah, there are clearly limitations, right? I mean, you see the limitations just in little moments, too. I mean, Alejandro Kirk uh, hits one as hard as anyone aside from George Springer last night. Double off the wall. Even takes a favorable bounce because it kind of hangs up on Mm Stephen Kwan. But it's a single. It's the longest single of mankind. But it's a long single and nothing gets going because... It's a single and not a double, and and maybe you can't manufacture that run because you just have limitations within your lineup, and some of them are look and sound and are different, but they all exist, and they all add up, and over the course of a long season, uh, they hold you back offensively, and that's exactly what is happening with this Blue Jays team, but again, thankfully, they can pitch it, man. They can pitch, and they continue to do it without blemish. Kevin Gosman, the latest, to put up a solid start, and, of course, he gets the support he needs across two innings well, I think, out of I, the bullpen. I think the other thing about this team being a pitching team
1: and, like, let's just realize what it is. Like, I don't even know that it's a pitching and defense team. It might just be a pitching team is that pick up a little defense. There's a, there's a little defense, but they also have, like, the brain-dead numbskull plays that just drive you insane, so I don't think you get to be the defense team if okay. you're going to do that. It's, like,
0: all part and parcel to me, personally. I feel like everyone's doing that. Yeah so like they are clearly above average yeah. but they're not immune to the things that they're above they're above average 100%. but i don't think
1: yeah, i don't yeah. think people look at the jays and they're like ah just vacuuming up everything out there i don't yeah. know that that's the uh, any, anyways I think when you look at this team that people just aren't used to cheering for a baseball team that looks like this, like go look at all the Jays teams that have made noise, right? There's Mm -hmm. been good pitching like Marco Estrada is probably Mount Rushmore of beloved blue Jays of the last 20 years, right? There has been wonderful pitching on these teams, but when you close your eyes, It's Eddie and it's Jose and it's Tulo and it's all of those things. It's the big bats. It's the big boppers. It's what you think of as this Blue Jays core. And then when you still close your eyes and think of this Jays team, most people close their eyes and they're like, ah, there's Vladdy and it's 40, 40? At thirty this year, I'd be thrilled. Mm. So I just think people need to recalibrate expectations. And again, I'm not telling you you should be any less hard on the players or anything. No, no, no. Give them all the criticism that they deserve. I just mean from your own for your own self, like recalibrate what this Blue Jay season is going to look like, and it's going to look, unfortunately, for you, if you don't like that, a lot more like this Guardian series than you know the shenanigans of Fenway and you're you're beating up the Red Sox.
0: Yeah, it's not 2015 uh, where they hit about a billion home runs yeah. that summer, and it was. It was must watch. And uh, someone who had a great seat for that was Brooke Jacoby, former Blue Jays hitting coach. Of that season, and for a few seasons uh, in the mid 2010s, we'll have him on at eight to discuss Jose Bautista going to the level of excellence this weekend. Of course, we'll reminisce over 2015, 2016 with him. I Speaking hope to have him sitting up there like Drake on the CN Tower
1: on the top of that album. Like it's like they unveil the banner and it's like, oh, Jose's just sitting <laughs> on the railing. Whoa,
0: that would be quite. The, uh, that would that, be quite the. Entrance. I'm gonna.
1: I'm gonna. I'm willing to bet if a sportsbook would take this, uh, that's not gonna happen. No, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't, Insurance would be. He doesn't strike
0: one. me as a heights guy. Yeah. I don't know why, but I you and don't.
1: I, you and I spoke to him. Yeah, he would not. I, no. I, I didn't get that vibe either. <laughs> no. That he's just like, hey, let's go I bungee
0: jumping. I don't know how you could give off that vibe, but I, he gave uh, out the opposite. If vibe. you're
1: if you're like a big spiky hair Kyle, spiky hair, yeah. monster energy, love like motocross we like Fox gear. If yeah. I saw
0: that guy, I'm like, that guy, that guy loves heights. Yeah, definitely no Fox gear no. on uh, Jose Bautista. <laughs> I, so. I mentioned we got Brooke Jacoby <laughs> on at eight. Blue Jays uh, hitting coach. Blue Jays current hitting coach, Guillermo Martinez, was trending again. I, I, I don't know if it's something that happens. I'm not like up on the Twitter trends at all times. I'm not like, you know, yeah, no, I just the stick people, to my the timeline people are ornery. But uh, yeah, people were not happy, and people are not happy about the current state of Blue Jay's uh, hitting coaches. So uh, you know, we won't ask him about Guillermo Martinez, but we will ask him about the art of hitching or uh, hitting rather at 8 a.m. Harold Reynolds at 8:30, Trey Wingo at 7:30 do a little NFL talk, and we will continue this Blue Jays discussion with Show Ali at seven. Uh, for now, though, you mentioned it. You did a little homework yesterday. You gave me homework. I had a busy day. I was golfing. I, I know. I wasn't, I wasn't watch, sure was you were going to go. I did ask.
1: I did ask. Spoiler alert. The reason I was tired, <laughs> watch that at 3.15 this morning before driving in to do the show. Sorry. So.
0: You watched the Johnny Manziel doc had to and do, my. Oh had to do my man. homework. <laughs> I, did, we, I mean, we could have. No. We could no, have no, switched no, no, lanes. No, 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 we could no, have absolutely rerouted. Not.
1: Absolutely not. You give me some homework, I'm going to do it, okay? Well, did you enjoy it at least? Not really. If we're going to put our cards <laughs> on the table. Uh, there's how, how much did 315 AM have to do with zero? It? Zero. Okay. I, I would have, it would have taken it from a three to a four for me. If I watched that at like a normal time of day, but, and, and I would say it would take it from like a three to a uh, like eight out of 10 if it would have been 42 minutes long instead of, like, an hour 15 or whatever it mm-hmm. was. It was just a class. And, again, like, we go through this with all the sports documentaries. Like, I'm so excited to watch Full Swing. And they're like, let me tell you about golf, people. And I'm like, I know what golf is. Can you just get to the thing? There was, like, a 12-minute explainer of how big a deal it is that the SEC is where A&M was moving. And, like, I don't know. They could have just said He's playing Florida. And I yeah, think people it, get it, that's a big game.
0: I think it was meant I mean it's obvious you nailed it. It's for the general audience. I mean it's why the Leaf one was so brutal. I mean it's like explaining the rules of hockey, and it's just like, Oh my god, this like I, it's mainly for Leaf fans, but I guess the guy who's learning hockey in slow in Sp- oh, Slovenia, so that kid they play, say, uh, in Spain. Anze Kopitar, not happy <laughs> yeah, with you yeah. right now. A <laughs> uh, little Anze Kopitar shade uh, for no reason. But, yeah, it's for the general public, and they're trying to explain it to you. But I do think it was worth explaining that because, really, it was about where where Johnny Manziel first arrived and what it did to the program that maybe helped explain yeah. sort of the downfall, right? Because he was aggrieved. And it's, not, <laughs> it's really a good thing
1: they didn't let me pitch that doc. It's like ah, yeah, he was a spoiled brat and he just acted like a jerk. And then he woke up and realized that maybe you don't need to do that I anymore. Mean,
0: it's it's it was probably eighty five percent that. But if you are the reason why they're building a new field and yep, they're tearing totally. down buildings and they're building everything up, and you're the reason why everybody else is profiting, I would definitely understand why you want to get yours. Oh, definitely. However, I don't think it was. It was all about that. It wasn't no. like a crusade for what was right in the world. It was, hey, let's party because I'm in a position where I, I can party. Yeah. And I want to be clear like, uh, Johnny Manziel doing
1: exactly what I would have done if I was Johnny Manziel. Like, the idea that me. Oh, you would have went
0: that far? You're the guy who doesn't doesn't like seeing anyone. No, you don't no, want to no, be hanging out with Drake. Well, and LeBron- I
1: mean, I don't want to. No, but I feel like the- this is the thing. And like, you know, an actual famous person hit me up and feel free to tell me it's different. I feel like when you get to that level, It's almost insulated. Like, you're, like, in the fishbowl. You know Mm -hmm. people are, like, looking at you. But, like, if you're in the club with Drake, Johnny Manziel, and LeBron James, I don't think some guy is just, like, entering that you know, Booth or wherever they are. In the club, I would like think I would think not. Really would think not, happening. not. And so in fact, the one friends.
0: time he was uncomfortable is when he was around people. He didn't know exactly. when he was walking after that Alabama yeah. win. And I mean, I don't know if they're trying to spin it and say, Oh, you know, this is, you know, uh, social anxiety or whatever it was, or that was a reason why Johnny Manziel spiraled the way he did. I don't really know. It was a guy who got everything given to him in a very small amount of time. Oh, it was an immature guy yeah. who took it way, way too far, but also, you know, you mentioned LeBron and Jake. Like yeah. they're like, what, eight years older than him? Why? What were like they that? hanging out with a nineteen year old? What, what what how old was LeBron in twenty twelve? Uh he would have been like late twenties? So he's thirty. I mean, I guess it's now. not that far it's away. Honestly, what it But that's what I was like, why why is LeBron hanging out with a nineteen-year? If you
1: just look at it as like LeBron James hanging around nineteen-year-old, it's weird. But it's like, again, I think this this is what the doc did do a good job, I will say, of reminding me of like, I don't know about you, I have like my bi-yearly dalliance with college football, where I'm like, oh I'm into this this year, and then I'm like, ah, who, who cares, and I'm mm-hmm. out. But I remember this, now, part of this was that I was pretty freshly removed from college when all it's, this was going this on. Exact,
0: I think that's why it like and connects it's like, with like a just bit.
1: Rema- I just remember that moment. Yeah. It's like, they showed Manziel at the pro day, and again, like I've come on here, I've side-sliped him, it's like, the pro day was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I remember him coming out in the camo pants and he had his like a hip protector, his rib protector. And it was like out the back of his jerk. He just looked so cool Mm -hmm. he's doing the money sign like it did do a good job of reminding you what it was like because now you just look at it and it does feel like a bit of a joke and you know Ricky Williams he's had docs made about him it does do a good job of reminding you of just what the circus was in that moment and it totally felt that way for Manziel so it's like yeah a little weird that it's like 19 28 year olds but it's also like just another uber-famous athlete who is in the thick of it.
0: I think that sports story hit us at the perfect times in our lives. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just wrapping up university. I'm, as you say, you know, like toying with the idea of being a college football fan. Like, that's probably the most I ever was into college football right after university or right, uh, you know, in university. Uh, And this guy comes in that previously unknown and takes over the college football world. And it was riveting it was unbelievable and i remember more of the good than the bad really like i i didn't remember the wig i i don't know how that escaped my memory (laughs) i I remembered it i forgot it and then as soon as i saw it i was like oh yeah that happened yeah i mean i i mean i did remember all the great stuff on the football field and i i guess maybe that's me being selective but yeah i think from a who it was for perspective You know, you just come out of university and you're around athletes, I guess, that are playing, you know, lower level, Mm -hmm. way, way lower level. But like you see it and they're kind of on top of the world and then you can just like scale, put it to scale. And Johnny Manziel, what it would have been like life for him. And I think that's why he would appeal to uh, a certain demographic. Um, But it is just a reminder of like how insane and nuts and crazy and out of control it really is. And the fact that there are not more stories like this is kind of remarkable because you feel like it would take... Because you mentioned that's exactly what you do. That's probably exactly what I would do. So how do we avoid... This situation from happening over and over and over again it seems like it's not a one-off but it's pretty close which to me is amazing i think the difference
1: is is that it's like he again like we can all roll our eyes at what happened with him in the nfl and the cfl and whatever but it's like he is truly like a one-of-one like he's a special guy like they show all the stuff in that he was doing in high school and it's like he's just a like most people would be that guy they're just not that good like it is truly a 1% to the 1% who have that ability and then it's not even just ability like they're amazing Football players in college who are going to go play in the NFL next year will never know their name, right? It's just you have to have everything kind of perfectly mixed and the fact that they were joining the SEC and it was a kind of dormant program, Texas, all that stuff. Like, it was it was just ripe for the picking. And, yeah, I uh, actually, and I'm happy I watched it because I enjoy talking about it way more than I enjoyed watching it. There will you go.
0: It is, it is nice when we get these docs to talk about in the middle of summer uh, radio. Uh, you mentioned it was an uh, hour and 14 minutes something or something like that. Like that. 12. I, I 12. needed another five for the CF chapter. Could I need have, another I, five for the CFL I'd chapter. I
1: argue you needed twenty minutes less, and they could have just put five minutes in the CFL <laughs> in the forty minutes that existed. Maybe, maybe so. At
0: a previous stop in my career, I went down to Hamilton, asked Johnny Manziel a question. Like wow. I was all fired up. Like this is going to be great. We're going to get people in the states interested in this because Johnny Manziel was Johnny yeah. Manziel. That's, that, work? that CFL chapter was uh, no. It was a bit of a read through. Just a bit. It was a bit of a read through. I do remember
1: uh, again though. Like I remember the excitement. of Like. Holy crap! Like Johnny Manziel's in the it was cool. Like this is hilarious. It, <laughs> it,
0: it was. It was cool. It was. It was something that it was never going to work, but it was going to be fun for however long totally. it lasted. And uh, maybe it wasn't all that fun. But now we got it Swag Kelly. So who cares for how long it lasted? We do have Swag Kelly, and uh, we got Swag Kelly for the East leading. Argonauts. Okay, so we, we based on this Johnny Manziel doc, yeah. we want to spin it forward a little bit. We're going to do our favorite flops in sports. I say we leave that Perfect. for after the break. So wonderful. No A-list. We'll give it a little time. We'll take an early-ish break, and we'll talk about, on the heels of watching the Johnny Manziel doc, our favorite flops in sports. That's next. Okay, text us 590-590, include your name and location. We want to hear about your favorite flops in sports. Gunnar, I'll let you lead the dance. Your favorite flop.
1: I'm not going to say a name. I'm just going to say a quote by the guy. Bull. Bull. Hito Turkaloo. Just wanting the ball. Just saying ball afterwards. There were reports of him not playing in games and allegedly I won't say what type of establishment, but out on King street on those very same nights, uh, there was a, there was a, I'm trying to, yeah, I guess it was a pizza place that he did a commercial for. And the whole joke was like, I'm in bed eating pizza, and not practicing. And it's like, I don't know, maybe not that <laughs> I remember it being such a thing. It was the first that I could remember of it. Like, this is an international guy. We're really going to use the worldly nature of the city and like, uh, Yeah, you should do that. Maybe do it with Giannis instead of Hidu Turkaloo. Mm-hmm. So when I think of Toronto flops, there are many. There are plenty other ways I could go. But that guy always stands out to me. And the greatest on-court interview of all time uh, when he just said ball. And yeah, you know, Jack Armstrong just uh, finding a way through it.
0: I will forever have questions about free agent signings because of Hido Turkalu for the Toronto <laughs> Raptors. Like, I'll just always, I mean, they don't happen very often anymore, right? Like, even around, just around basketball, it just doesn't seem to happen with the frequency that it did. Uh, but always, I'll be just like, oh, I, I still love that uh, PTSD from Hito yeah. Uh My favorite all-time flop is Neil Yakubov uh, oh. because there was so much like, okay, so it's the third straight first I round I him play in junior, actually. And and that's uh, that's another part of it. Yep. It's like everyone who was connected to junior hockey whatsoever yeah. was like, "This guy's terrible." <laughs> yeah. But like everyone was so mad because it was the third straight time yeah. the Oilers picked first overall. Yeah. Taylor Hall, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, then Nail Yakubov. So everyone's so mad. Everyone hates the Oilers so much. And Nail Yakubov is not only bad, but so oblivious to him being bad. <laughs> it was just the it was the perfect it was the, it was just a great hockey storyline for that reason. So much hatred. So much much oblivion if you are Nail Yakubov, and he has these moments right where he thinks he's this rock star. He has that mega highlight where he slides into oh, the yeah. ice Looking on like both Theo knees because yeah. he finally scored a goal. <laughs> but the thing I love the most about Nail Yakubov because he was a complete nutcase and had no idea that he was not the player he thought he was on power plays in his rookie year. He was like twirling his stick, amazing. waiting for passes, amazing. And like, yeah, you see that after a goal, I've never seen and still have not seen a player twirling his stick waiting to clap a one-timer demanding the puck by twirling his stick. Neil Yakubov was one of one, and he's my favorite flop of all time.
1: I I watched him play a game. He was playing for Sarnia, and Josh Hosang was on the Spitfires. And I remember leaving that game. Well, I remember leaving that game thinking, are we sure Josh Hosang's not going number one? Like, he was another one of these guys who could just turn it on, and Yakubov, you're exactly right, also had to pull up his hockey DB while you were talking about him. Fun fact. His career high for points in the NHL, thirty-three. The exact same as his career high in the KHL. Now mm. he did that in forty-seven games uh, last year. Ten points in sixteen games. Still playing with uh, with old Omps, Avangard Omps. Give it. God love Nail. I am. Uh, I, I got to take the low hanging fruit here. Don't call him Wendell Clarkson. Call him David Clarkson. Mm-hmm. Defender of Phil Kessel. All things that are right and true. Screaming at Todd Bertuzzi about water bottles on behind the scenes shows. It, it, you wanted it to work so bad. We all saw it coming 10 miles away. I think that was the worst part of it is like, mm, this is a, you know a good guy. He tries hard and he's going to get paid so much money and he's not going to score very many goals. And it, that was the charitable version of how it was going to go. Then you throw in the 10 game suspension to start it all and he just never got going. It was a brutal thing. But the thing I'll say about Clarkson is that he ultimately in the grand scheme of things never cost the Leafs anything. Because that group, like, we can look back on it now with a more real vision. That group wasn't winning the Cup. Like, Tyler Bozak is your number one center. Eh, the team wasn't winning the Cup. So, yeah, it stunk. And, yeah, it was a waste of cap space. Yada, yada, yada. But – that signing with this version of the Leafs would have been cataclysmic. I mean, we've seen what John Tavares has done alone, and he's actually a useful and productive player. Not $11 million worth. We don't need to get into that now, but yeah, Clarkson will always be the one that jumps out to me.
0: He did yield the greatest um, uh, newspaper cover, I think, in this city's history though, with the cut on his face and the blue blood dripping off his cheek. That is very good.
1: I will will give you honorable mention of Mm -hmm. after Nazem Kadri put on a clinic against Connor McDavid and the Oilers, including score the OT winner. They went with a picture of Naz selling right in McDavid's face with the great one, but great spelt like it grates on you. G-R-A-T-E. That is the finest work I've ever seen of journalism in the city of Toronto, I have to
0: say. <laughs> there you go. That's the standard. Uh my leaf one, though, is Justin Pogey. Mm. Of course, we know like when we when we think about goaltending in that era, it's okay, Tukarask was traded oh. and Andrew Raycroft was acquired. Yeah. But Justin Pokey was preferred oh, in that God. entire equation, right? Hot so they had Pokey, they had Rass, they get rid of Rass because they love Pokey, Pokey rather. Yeah, you mentioned it. Hot Junior Run was unbelievable at the World Juniors, was unbelievable at the Western Hockey League level. He, like, gained celebrity from that year, and we were all so excited with it. I'll let you guess how many games he played with the Maple Leafs. Ooh, I don't know the answer to this. Was it 12. It was seven, seven games for the Maple Leafs. And he's, I don't know if he's still playing. He played for a long time. He made a lot of stops in a lot of places. Uh, But Justin Pogge was the hottest name in hockey for a little while. He was the guy that was selected over Tuka Rask. And he was the guy that never yielded anything for the Maple Leafs. A major, major flop. I
1: wonder if that is
0: where my distrust
1: or just disinterest in goaltender evaluation began and ended like if it was fully formed in that instant of me just like being a kid loving the Leafs loving World Juniors and it's like hey World Junior stud surely it's gonna work out fine and it didn't and I honestly think from that moment on I just washed scarred. my hands of it and I'm like we're not we're not doing this anymore Joe Wall looks good I'm sure I'll have my heart broken one day can't wait <laughs> gonna be fun uh, I'll go back to the Raptors well Tough break. You got the first overall pick and it's got to be Andrea freaking and Bargnani. Like go look at all the number one picks in NBA history. Mm. Have a better guy. Have a better Euro. God, couldn't have been Luca. Imagine how much fun that would be. Bargs, Primo, Pasta and sauce. Like that's the most definable moment. And I, but I will say one thing about him is Andrea Bargnani coming along like a decade later or seven years later, we'd probably view him a little differently, but still would have stunk. So you have to get it in there. As, Sorry, a, Bran- Barks.
0: As a Brampton guy, Anthony Bennett, oh. ugh, first overall pick of the Cavs in 2013. That was tough because it was so celebratory, right? Canada has a first overall mm-hmm. pick. Uh, yeah, that didn't work out well. Uh, one from the text line here, we got Brandon <laughs> from Keswick. <laughs> Favorite flop is LeBron James four
1: nights a week. I could have yeah, told you that was coming 10 miles away
0: doing a little, you know, you're Googling, you yeah. Know, just a bus, lot of flops,
1: just a lot of, of there was a
0: lot of LeBron. James. There's
1: not one person. He apparently he's the only guy in the NBA who does it. Every conversation I have with my hockey buds about flopping in the NBA. They're like, God, this LeBron. I'm like, yeah, how dare he and he alone. Mm. A lot of flopping out there. So if you got a problem with it in the league, have at it, but uh, you know, don't, don't just put it all on my guy, uh, LeBron. Also uh, just Pogi update. For the Wolfsburg Grizzly Adams, that is the official name of the team. Huh. Uh, 18 games, and he posted a 9.05 save percentage in 22 What league is that? Uh, the, the old Dell. Wolfsburg, Germany.
0: Wow. Okay. Shout out to Halushko. Maybe you scouted him. You play as long as you can. Play as hey. long as you can. Anyone who's playing, I would tell them, play as long as you can. Uh, let's pick up the Jays discussion after the break with our guy, Show Ali. We'll go through the first three games of this series with the Guardians. And... You know, there'll be be more minutes than runs scored. We can tell you that. We can promise you that. Show Ali after the break.